Entrepreneurship is living a few years of your life like most people won't, so that you can spend the rest of your life like most people can't. This is the Maverick Business Podcast, helping people get from entrepreneur to scale. We're going to put in some work, but we're going to have fun doing it. You'll hear from people who've succeeded in business, their ups and downs, and you'll hear from people from behind the scenes that help along the way. This is the Maverick Business Podcast, and here's your host, Anthony Carpenter. Well, welcome to the first episode of The Maverick Business, where we are trying to help you become a better business person by bringing on influential leaders in in their different spaces, as well as bringing on behind-the-scenes activities to help you make sure your business is running soundly. So I'd like to introduce to you Fritz, who is the founder and CEO of the Mission Group Hospitality Group based out of D.C., Uh, They have several properties there and have a unique spin on what a bar and a restaurant should be. So without further introduction, let me bring you Fritz. Hey, Fritz, how's it going? I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Well, let's let's jump right into that. And why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got into the hospitality industry? Sure. Uh, Well, I grew up uh, in the great state of Florida and went to Georgetown and uh, Georgetown Law for school and uh, I was always kind of passionate about politics and government service, but uh, like many others, I worked uh, as a bartender and server and bouncer during college and always loved it. Uh, I thought it was great. I always loved talking to people, meeting new folks, um, you know, just kind of you know, interacting with other people. I really enjoyed it. Uh, so I worked in the Bush administration and I worked for, for Rick Scott uh, when he was governor of Florida, but I was always a kind of an entrepreneurial background and knew I wanted to start my own business. Uh, so I got into restaurant business um, in 2014, uh, along with my friend Reed Landry, we started Mission Group uh, with one uh, Mexican restaurant in Washington, D.C., Tex-Mex restaurant. Uh, we found this incredible space, and to us it kind of looked like an old Spanish mission, a Texas mission. We thought that was kind of a cool name, and um, we got our start with sort of that one neighborhood restaurant, and, and now we're one of the fastest growing restaurant groups uh, here in Washington, D.C. Well, you can you can see behind me, I, I'm a big fan of the Tex-Mex. Yes, being yeah. from, from Texas. Uh, so that's, that's pretty uh, good. So you have, how many restaurants do you all have now? Yes, we have four restaurants right now. We have uh, Mission DuPont, which is the original restaurant, which is seven years old. Uh, we have Mission Navy Yard, which we're in right now. Uh, it's, it's one of the largest restaurants in Washington, D.C. It's about a thousand people. Uh, we have the Admiral, which opened right before COVID, which is an interesting topic uh, in itself. Uh, then Hawthorne, uh, which I think you've been to, which is a five-story bar uh, in downtown D.C., very popular late night weekend spot. Okay, um, so y'all on your website and everything, you kind of talk about how um, it's more fun to eat in a bar than it is to drink in a restaurant. Kind of, can you expand on that? Sure. So I think that that's a motto that we try to all the things we make in our company. That's something that, that drives us. That kind of comes because there's just so much energy behind a bar. When you sit at a bar, you're talking to a bartender who hopefully has a great personality. Um, when I got my start bartending, you know, in 2006, 2007, it was sort of before the era of of you know phones and everyone had a phone but it was more for talking and texting not not a personal computer that and you know video and everything else that a phone can do now so bartenders back then really had to talk and engage with their customers that's kind of where i got my start as a bartender we try to train our bartenders to do the same thing to kind of interact with guests we think there's so much more energy when you're sitting at a bar and you can of course still have a great meal if that's what you want to do we just think it's really important everything driven from the bar there's just so much vibrant energy from the bar and that's the kind of venue that we want to create Okay. Well, um, yes, I have. I've been to Hawthorne, and, and y'all are definitely succeeding in, in that aspect. So, um, good job on that. Um, I know y'all have 
kind of multi-use space in all of your your restaurants and and that's kind of unique that it's not just tables and chairs and and food yeah. so how, how how did y'all kind of decide that and how do y'all make that that decision you know that's another one of the models of our company is that we refuse to believe that a restaurant can only have uh, one purpose and that's why you know our restaurants are in bars are great for happy hour they're great for private events they're great for dinner, they're great for late night, you know, they're great for groups, whether a group is 10 people, you know, celebrating a birthday or, you know, a corporate event that's, you know, very formalized. We just want to be welcoming to all people. And I think it's it's it's, it's what's great for our customers. But it's also just smart business. We want to appeal to the lowest common denominator. We want to have something on our menu that appeals to everyone from a high school student all the way up to a senior citizen and everyone in between. We want everyone to be our customer. And there's some great restaurants out there that are very, very specific. But the other day, you're limiting your audience uh, when you're a very specific restaurant. You want to try to have that atmosphere that's welcoming for all and that has something that for everyone to enjoy. Okay. And you, you mentioned a little bit about it in your introduction, you know, about how you got started with bouncing and, and restaurant. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of your, your main focus that made you kind of go into the hospitality industry. I know with being a lawyer and, and other things, you had kind of the world was your oyster. Yeah. So I've done some other things in my life and I'm, I'm still involved in other business activities. But I think, again, I've always been driven back to back to restaurants and entrepreneurial stuff and bars because again, that energy. And it's one of the reasons why I love politics and campaigning because you go out there and you're talking to folks and you're going from city to city and you're not sitting behind a desk. And I think I always knew in my life that I never wanted to be a desk guy. Um, I always want to be out there talking to people, doing different things. I think that's what's great, great about restaurants. Uh, it's supposed to be a challenge as well, but to be a successful restaurateur, you have to be aware about a hundred different hats uh, from you know running HR operations to marketing, to hiring people, to unfortunately sometimes firing people, to understanding your customers, understanding all the different vendors we deal with. So it's really a, it's to be kind of a renaissance man to be successful in the restaurant business. And I think that's that's one of the challenges I enjoy. Yeah, so I want to take that and kind of segue in. And um, one of the big complaints that you hear a bunch of uh, restaurants and, and that industry is that there's historically low margins and it's you know tough to, for restaurants to make it. Uh, I mean, I can't remember the, the number that are going to fail because of COVID, but you just in general, you know, restaurants struggle to to make it. So kind of how do, how are you all combating that? Yeah, it's interesting. So I think it's sort of one of those perhaps old wives tales that gets passed on, that, you know, 99% of restaurants fail. And Listen, it's a very difficult business, like any business is. Uh, it's very hard. I've always thought it's never quite as hard as people say. Um, maybe that's good. Let's, I'm not suggesting everyone join the restaurant business and become our competition either. But of course, it's a hard business. But if you work hard and you're you're smarter what you do, and of course, a little lucky and, and hire the right people and have the right partners and have the right mission, uh, mission, uh, you can be you can be successful. Um, but yeah, you know, I always tell people that's the first question most people say when I tell them I'm in the restaurant business. They say, oh, it must be impossible, or you know, do you work 24 hours a day, or whatever it is? And I always say, listen, every business is difficult. Um, but you know it has, it has its rewards and it has its risks. But uh, we've been tremendously lucky in our business. I think that comes down to you know hiring the right people, partnering with the right people, understanding our customer demographic, and always doing the right thing. And I think uh, no matter what field you're in, if you follow those things, you, you can be successful. Yeah, and I, I absolutely agree. You know, uh, I think restaurant, you know, any business is hard. Like you said, my business is hard. Your business is hard. Um, most businesses fail within, you know, the first year, 90%, I think 99% in the first 10 year. So again, it's, it's putting in those, those systems in place to be, to be successful. And it, it sounds like y'all are, y'all are doing that. Um, speaking of, of COVID, how do you, I mean, COVID is, is here and it's changed a lot of things, uh, but it's going to go away eventually. How do you see the um, carryover for that? Yeah, I would say, you know, COVID has, has changed everything in the economy, uh, it's especially changed the restaurant and hospitality sector. The first few weeks of COVID were, I would say, some of the toughest weeks of my business career. You know, we had to let go a lot of our employees. We furloughed a lot of people. Uh, the city shut down all four restaurants, I guess, March 16th, I believe, in Washington, D.C., shut all the restaurants down completely. 
um, for a couple of weeks. And that was very difficult. And our, our main goal of the company at that point was to stay as strong as possible. So there'd be a company for our customers um, and employees to come back to when this all was over. Um, so I would say about a month later, the city allowed uh, to go and delivery, which was a huge pivot for us and most restaurants. Um, you know, we were never a big to go and delivery operation place that, you know, again, we're very focused on the bar and the drinks. So, you know, people, people did get take to go food, but it was a very small, you know, maybe 1% or less percent of our, our sales. Um, then when the city was only allowing uh, to go and delivery, we had to pivot uh, severely and see, you know, what food travels well, what cocktails travel well, but there were some added benefits. I think um, alcohol laws are very draconian, stuck a lot of them are go date back to prohibition or even earlier, depending on what state or area you're in. So I think COVID has sort of allowed alcohol laws to, to crumble a little bit. So at least in DC, you, you can now order drinks to go uh, from restaurant or bar, which was never allowed before. You know, you can order a bottle of wine, you can order a bottle of liquor, you can order a margarita and, and take it with you. So I think that was a huge change. Uh, it looks like the city is gonna allow that moving forward even post COVID. Uh, so I think, you know, we're, we're not driven to New Orleans yet, uh, but it's definitely a step in the direction of uh, you know, less regulation and more freedom, which, I, which I'm all about. Yeah. And I mean, that's the same thing happened in Texas, as, as you know, Greg, Greg Abbott, the governor, um, has made that one of his legislative priorities is to kind of allow this alcohol to go uh, thing. And, and we have taken advantage of it multiple times. A gallon of margaritas is a good thing to have on a Friday, Friday afternoon. Um, yeah. So we you know, that, that's been really interesting to see how the uh, things, I guess, what kind of other laws do you see crumbling um, kind of in the wake of COVID? Yeah, so one thing the, the, uh, the mayor Bowser in Washington, D.C. has done very well is sort of allowing, they call them streeteries or, or parklets in D.C. So at one of our restaurants, the original Mission DuPont um, in, in DuPont Circle, we have a huge street in front, of the, in front of the restaurant. They've shut down the entire street to vehicle traffic. There's, you know, Jersey barriers and barricades and the entire street, uh, people can dine outside of it. So we have we're, we're the biggest restaurant on the streets. So we have the majority of it, but there's some restaurants next door to us and they have a part of the street as well. So in addition to our regular patio, which seats about 40 there, we have an additional, I think, 80, 90 seats out in the street, still socially distanced six feet apart. But, you know, year round, we're using those seats, even though it's cold in DC right now, we have heaters out there. The city is sort of, you know, taking what was, you know, parking spots or streets, you know, maybe they weren't being used very much and really turning them into areas people can use. I think it's, it's a smart uh, long-term decision for the city because you're going to get a lot of tax revenue out of it. I think tourists are going to like it sort of as an exciting element to turn parking spots into, into usable square footage. But I think that's, that's something that I think you wouldn't have seen uh, certainly before COVID. So, and kind of to, I guess, pivot on that, how how do you see the brick and mortars versus the food trucks? You know, I know that's kind of been, you know, the food trucks have been really growing, especially in Texas, popular. Um, but now with this pivot, I think you're seeing kind of the brick and mortar restaurants kind of take back some of that market share. Yeah, for sure. So I think, you know, at least in DC, I think maybe four or five years ago, food trucks were the rage, they were everywhere. And then they started getting heavily regulated. The restaurant industry, not us per se, because they weren't really competitors to us. But if you were a sit-down restaurant that served lunch, um, you know, and you're going after office workers and and you know people that, that work uh, at office jobs, and all of a sudden the truck pulls up next to your front door and they're selling the same food for significantly cheaper, uh, it really hurt those restaurants. So those restaurants, I think, lobbied the city, and you saw a lot more regulation, more insurance, and it kind of drove up the costs on food trucks. Um, so you kind of saw the food truck industry in D.C., at least in my opinion, kind of shrink a little bit. But I think now that everyone, again, is wanting to be outside and they're wanting to be in parks and parking lots and pretty much anywhere outside when the weather is nice, I think you're seeing food trucks come back, um, which we don't see that as a competition to us. So I think it's, it's great to see. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're I think we're in the 60s here in, in Texas right now. So it's it's good outdoor yeah, weather. Beer trucks are driving around selling beer out of the back. And I might get concerned, but. We trust don't bother me that much. Yeah, um, that's that's funny. Um, so again, I, what is one thing that COVID has kind of probably taught you that you're going to carry forward um, in your operations? 
Yeah, so I think the technology uh, change in the restaurant business over the last you know, decade or so has been incredible. Um, I, you know, it wasn't that long ago that I was a bartender, maybe you know, 10, 11 years ago uh, when I first got started. And there, there's very few technology in the business. A lot of the restaurants I worked in still have like old school cash registers. They took credit cards. They're using like an old, you know, some of them even use the old like swipe thing, which I showed to one of my employees today that they wouldn't even know how to make a carbon <laughs> copy of an imprint uh, of a credit card. But in the last you know, 10 or 15 years, the technology in the industry has gotten you know, uh, incredibly good. This, the apps we have, you know, we can turn from remotely. I can look at the light, I can turn the lights on, TVs on, look at cameras, look at every single sales transaction. We can track a customer from coming in the door, wherever they go in the restaurant, back to their credit card receipts, allows us an incredible amount of data uh, and allows us, you know, incredible insight into our customers, into our staff. With COVID specifically, uh, you're seeing technology really speed up in the industry. One is QR codes, which I'm sure probably popular in Texas too. You know, we're not using menus right now. We have a couple of menus behind the host stand if someone doesn't have a phone or, or asks for one. But the most part, customers are scanning the QR code at each table, and that's how they're seeing our menu. Um, so I think that's a huge change in the industry. Places were starting to do that before COVID, but now I'm seeing that everywhere. Um, and I think you know you're seeing a lot more single-use um, items. You know, everyone's using uh, either disposable or single-use plates and cups. But I think you're you know I think technology for sure is what's going to stay after COVID. Yeah, no, they're, they're definitely using a lot of QR codes. Um, it's nice in some ways because it makes it easy, you know, for the restaurants you always go to, but then the restaurants you don't really go to, you're like, well, I kind of like to see the picture of, of what you got, you know, right. what is what is this going to look like? Um, so that that's finishing. I think, you know, obviously, you know, phones are like a third hand that everyone's carrying around everywhere they go. But I think, if, you know, if you're at a restaurant and you're on a date or it's a special occasion or whatever it is, I think it's nice if you don't have to pull out your phone to look at the menu. But, you know, I, I guess, you know, it, it, has, it has its pros and cons for sure. Yeah, just just like everything. Um, speaking of, of technology, I guess, what's the one technology that you kind of have really honed on that's been critical to your success? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, obviously, I think social media has, has been a game changer to the industry as it has for everything else. We saw this during COVID. You know, one day our, our chief operating officer came up with this cool idea of you know making pouches and putting gummy bears in there, basically making you know gummy bear liquor. We kind of made this and it looked cool. We threw it up on uh, on Instagram, and you know within three hours later we had sold like fifty or sixty just off folks that saw it on Instagram and wanted to come in and try it. So I think that ability to speak directly to our customers. Um, you know, the last couple of years you had Facebook and you had other things, but it really wasn't quite there. Where I think you know Instagram and Twitter and where things are right now, even TikTok, which you know. It, 36, I'm a little too old to personally use myself, but my employees have shown me that we have, you know, customers come in and take TikTok videos in our restaurants, which are cool. You're just kind of seeing social media, I think, continue to be an important part of all businesses. Well, and from my experience at Hawthorne, I think y'all have a lot of, you know, Instagrammable places. Like, so, right. you know, images that you, people want to take to, and it's not, you know, the, the old Kodak, you know, plaque that says, hey, take a picture here. It's the, you know, these are generally interesting and, and getting a lot of organic search just from, you know, those. Well, exactly. You're exactly right. So that, that's become sort of a big topic in the restaurant business. When you build restaurants now, redesign restaurants, it's like, you know, what moments are you going to, you're designing dishes and areas in the restaurant that are specifically for Instagram. So in our places, we try to have really cool, you know, flashing neon signs, or maybe it's a cool grass wall or something that is that really is going to appeal towards, um, you know, millennial Gen Xers that they're going to post a picture in a restaurant regardless. You want to have the best backdrop possible or the best picture of your food or your drink or whatever it might be that you want to highlight. So if you, if you kind of build towards that, then you're kind of guaranteeing you get the social media metrics that you want. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we talked about that Instagram kind of trend and stuff. What other emerging trends do you see in the industry? Yeah, one is obviously the hard seltzer uh, market, which, you know, a year or two ago, I remember the first time uh, I saw a White Claw. I was with some buddies on a, on a hunting trip and like 
you know, the old days, my everyone would drink, you know, cases of Bud Light or Miller Light or whatever. And my friend showed up with like five cases of White Claw and I barely knew what it was. And I kind of made fun of him. He was like, yo, you know, try one. So I tried one and I was like, oh, this is actually like surprisingly good. And I, and I came back and told our operations guys, I'm like, you know, this, this White Claw is incredible. Let's carry it. And I think everyone sort of grumbled. And they're like, I think, I think this broken guy's lost it, but like, we'll, we'll get a couple of cases just to humor him. And I think like they sold like that. And next week, started selling more and more and more. So I think, you know, White Claw and, and Truly is sort of driving the market on that. But then every other beer liquor company saw and seen how successful those seltzers are. And now you have like every company you can imagine has like six different seltzer flavors. So yeah. everything else is a little oversaturated. Uh, but seltzers are, I think, are very, very popular in the industry. Yeah, they uh, for our industry, you know, the the branding and, and merchandise, they've completely taken what a normal koozie is. And we have, you know, now the slim can, you know, koozie. So yeah. it's, I mean, those, those things are going crazy um you're seeing a lot of creative packaging which is interesting i think you're seeing you know everything from bud light to you know canned wine canned cocktails canned everything slim cans all sorts of kind of unique packaging where in the old days maybe you had a 12 ounce can and a glass bottle were your two choices now you mm -hmm. can choose you know from 10 or 15 or 20 different packaging types and that, that's great depending on what your restaurant or what your concept is it's cool that you can go with you know i've seen bars go with the you know 10 ounce pony beers or go with you know, 25 ounce beers, whatever it might be the your concept. Again, having, I think, choice is, is always the way to go. Yeah, we've been to a, a couple of tap rooms and stuff that they'll can your, you know, a beer right off. So they tap it, you know, fill yeah. it up and then put it in a can and, you know, it's carbonated and everything. So uh, you're able to really get some unique beers that aren't normal, you know, can can beers to take to hunting or to the park or, or whatever. Um, we mentioned taking alcohol to go, but now, you know, if you love draft beer, I'm, I'm a big fan of draft beer. You can get a growler from our restaurant. We have Pacifico. We have some great Tex-Mex beers. You can come to the restaurant, you know, for 12 bucks or whatever, get a, you know, 35 ounce, uh, you know, Pacifico and take it home with you and drink draft beer in your living room. Or then a couple of years ago, maybe you could find a few grocery stores that, that would do that, but it was sort of limited. Now I think, you know, pretty soon every bar is going to have draft beer to go. And that's pretty neat. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm, I'm looking forward to that day because I'm not a big fan of the, the Miller Lights and the Bud Lights. They're good yeah. for for the beach, but that's, that's about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so we have a new administration, whether we like it or, or not, um, you know, that's, that's up for debate, but regardless of that, there's always going to be kind of changes with new administrations. What do you see the Biden Harris administration and, and kind of some of the regulations that in your space? Yeah. So uh, I, think, I think it remains to be seen for sure. There's been some discussion of raising the minimum wage, uh, federal minimum wage over the last few weeks, you know, in DC, that's not gonna have a huge impact on us. Um, at least directly, uh, DC is already at a $15, uh, it's actually $16 minimum wage and, and rising. It's set to continue to rise. Uh, we'll see what happens with the tip credit, um, which kind of a long story, but to cut it short, how it basically works is if you're a server in a restaurant right now, um, you, you, you make your $3 an hour and the rest of your salary comes in tips. If you don't make any tips, the restaurant has to pay you. On uh, our restaurant and most successful restaurants, the servers are making far, than, far more than minimum wage and credit card tips. Um, so it's not an issue, but there's been some discussion of whether, you know, the Senate Democrats and the Biden administration wants to change that. Uh, there's also, I think last, I see this week, the Senate's gonna discuss the Restaurant Act, which may be giving grant money uh, to restaurants and bars, which I, I think is great for the industry. I think we'll have to wait and see what uh, what's gonna happen in the administration. I think, you know, we're hopeful that, um, you know, things will continue to get better. The industry's gone through some tough times and, um, you know, we're hopeful things will get better. So, and I want to circle back, much like the Biden press secretary, um, you know, talking about COVID, um, you know, the Daniel Portnoy's and the Barstool Sports and, and some of these other kind of things. How, how do you see that kind of working out in, in y'all's industry and, and I guess the continual, even in the, the art space, you know, the, these kind of patients. Yeah, you mentioned sports, uh, and I think, you know, to their credit, what they've done to help rescue independent bars uh, has been incredible. 
um, you know, over the last month or so, I guess, you know, he's raised a lot of money from his supporters and his followers, and they've given that money to independent bars and restaurants. I know in D.C. there's a place called Martin's Tavern, which is uh, I think started in the 20s or 30s. It's, it's an Irish bar in Georgetown. Uh, my grandfather went there when he was in Georgetown. My parents went there. Now, now I, I went there, and they just gave a large sum of money to this restaurant, this bar. Uh, Dave uh, Barstool Sports gave them money to help support them. So I think it's awesome that they're uh, you know, taking the money from uh, shorting, you know, going after short sellers, and now they're using that money to reward bars. I, I guess I'm all for that. Uh, it's interesting. It's crazy how much news is happening in 2020 and 2021. I'm a bit of a news junkie. I try to read a couple of newspapers a day and get as much information as I can. But it just seems like there's uh, so many different news stories that are going on right now. That's uh, I really think we're living, you know, in, in incredible times. Yeah. No, I, I agree. That is. Um, it's been it's been crazy watching the news uh, or reading the news. That's what I try and do too. Um, yeah. So you've now been in business for almost seven years, eight years. Um, what's one piece of advice that you wish you knew um, when you first started that would have made you even more successful? I think that's a great question. I think, um, you know, I, I think one of the things I, would, I always tell anyone asking for advice about starting a business, just go for it. You know, in life, there's never going to be someone, you know, kind of comes to you like you're a character in a novel and a book and just says, hey, you should, you should go do this. Like that conversation probably isn't ever going to happen. So you have to kind of be your own fan, your own champion, and just go make your own luck. People always say, oh, you can be lucky. And there's a certain extent, I guess, in life to uh, who's lucky and who isn't. But I try to create my own like, my own luck. You know, put yourself in the best situations, meet great people, uh, talk to interesting folks. When I was younger, I always reached out to successful people in this industry, other industries, and tried to talk to them and learn from them. Um, I still do that today uh, when I get emails from younger folks who are interested in starting restaurants or want to talk about entrepreneurship or politics. I always try to talk to them as well. Um, you know, you never know. It's, I think it's good karma to talk to people and you never know where it might help you or might help them. But I think just kind of go for it would be my advice. And I think, uh, you know, be a little patient. And that's if you ask me, uh, if I had to go into a job interview, we, we always ask people in our interviews and mission group, you know, what's your best quality? What's your worst quality? Somebody asked me, you know, patience is my least uh, quality. I'm just not a patient person. I want everything today, yesterday, uh, and want to be as aggressive as possible. But I think in business, you know, it took us a long time to build where we are today. Um, you know, looking back, you know, uh, we started this company in 2014. You know, I'd like to think that back then we thought we'd be here. But, uh, you know, we knew we'd do well, but no one would pick exactly what your path is. Sometimes you have to be, put yourself in the right position and just be patient. So you had mentioned uh, you and your partner started this in 2014. What kind of has been the, the most rewarding and the biggest challenge with, with having a partnership? And Yeah, I, I think that's a great question. I mean, I think partnerships are like, it's like, like any kind of relationship in life. You, you play off of what your best qualities are and what your partner's best qualities are. Um, you know, I'm lucky to have a tremendous business partner who I mentioned, Reed Landry, you know, who's Really incredible our, on our financial side of our business. You know, most restaurants and most businesses in general are kind of known to have you know sloppy books or not great HR and all that stuff. And we're lucky we have an incredible uh, you know books and finance and accounting team uh, that Reed leads. So I think having a partnership is really important in life. You know, I wouldn't be able to do this on my own um, in any business, uh, especially not the restaurant business. I think you asked. You know, the other thing that I always find surprising in this business every time I walk in my restaurants and pre-COVID, I guess when it's crowded and the energy you feel in the in the in the bar, I always kind of pitch myself, and it's always crazy to think that. You, know, you built something that and now you know it's filled with people that are having a good time that are celebrating special occasions or whatever it might be and that's that's an incredible experience and that's worth all of the uh the stress and the late nights and uh sometimes the worry and everything else that comes with starting a business and running a business i i agree yeah when i see some of my merchandise on you know that i've, I've sold it's, it's, it's a pretty prideful thing and and not you know to be super egotistical but it's just good to see something that you've created and you've helped out a hand and um so, uh, so I agree with that. Um, I, think, I, think, I think you have to have an ego, somewhat of an ego in business, because like anything else, we 
our company sometimes fails. There's times that someone doesn't like their food and they don't like their drink or whatever it is. Maybe it's a mistake we made. Maybe they're just having a bad day. But I think you have to have the ego and the vision to know that, you know, where you're going and you're going to have bumps along the way. You're going to have detours like COVID that you may never have predicted. But I think you have to have a bit of an ego to know that you're in the right place and you're on the right path or else you're you're never going to get back up all the times you're knocked down in business. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think without ego, uh, I think Matthew McGonaghy was talking about it the other day. Like you have to have some sort of ego, but still be able to be to be teachable and be approachable. And I think that's what, you have to stay humble as possible. I think you know. And yeah. The second you start getting too big for your britches, or that, that's I think that's when that's when trouble starts. You, you start taking your eye off the ball, and that's where that's where trouble starts. I I 100% agree with that. Um, well, I want to kind of wrap things up here. So if people wanted to, to follow you or get more information um, about you or Mission Group, how would they go about doing that? Uh, yeah, the, our, our website is missiongroupdc.com. My email is, is fritz, F-R-I-T-Z, at missiongroupdc.com. Always happy to talk to folks. Uh, I don't know if your followers are mostly Texas or wherever they might be, but if they're in D.C., feel free to come by our restaurants. Uh, hopefully in the next few months, things will be uh, – more open and more capacity but uh yeah you know we wouldn't be where we are if it wasn't for asking for help and talking to people and uh happy to talk to anyone anytime so uh so when they come to your mission yard what's the one thing that they should get what's your favorite item on the menu that's a great question we, we have a really good cadillac uh, margarita that we, we call the dose margarita here uh, we make all the juices fresh in house every day it's made with patron uh very tasty very strong i would say limit yourself to uh two or three um you know or else you might have a rough morning the next day but it's a uh, very good margarita pair with some great guacamole and you're, you're gonna have a fun night okay um social media what's your social media handles for the mission group there uh, yes we uh, each of our restaurants has their own so uh, today i'm mission navy yard today so it's at at Mission Navy Yard. Uh, my stuff is at Fritz Brogan. Uh, I'm not a big, I don't use Twitter probably for good reasons. I'd be responding to too much stuff, but uh, <laughs> all the other social media platforms I'm on there and uh, we'd love to hear from you. Okay, yeah. So make sure you go check out there. Uh, when you head to DC, make sure you go to the Mission Navy Yards, get some some margaritas. Um, while you're at it, go ahead and subscribe down, uh, down below. Um, all your channels. Fritz, I can't Thank you enough for coming on to this this first episode. It's it's been a pleasure knowing you for the past several years and some of our organizations. Uh, you're doing great work, so keep that up, and we'll uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you, my friend. Have a great day. You too.